Welcome into the official. We got a great show for you this week as usual, and we're going to do it a little differently. We're going to kick it to our users in the Discord. Um, told them we had a mailbag episode, and so we got some questions sent in, um, kind of ranging the gamut from all, all things around recruiting. So whether it's a specific player, a depth chart question, or more of a style analytical, how do you go your process question, we got it all. So stick with us. We're going to answer your questions and, you know, hopefully give you some actionable advice um, and color in some of the lines uh, on how we get to our end game, you know, uh, how we get to the end of our evaluation uh, come, you know, freshman guide season. So without further ado, this is the official. Welcome in, gents. Uh, this is a podcast for the people this week. We have sent out the bat signal. Um, we have asked for mailbag questions, anything you want regarding recruiting, and we will answer those today. Before we get started, um, I have my Minnesota, I think it's 1979 National Champions hockey shirt on here from uh, Home Field Apparel. They are our partners um in this whole endeavor and um if you haven't been there before you know this is really great collegiate apparel as you can tell here this shirt commemorating the 1979 national championship um, hockey team from minnesota they really kind of go with that vintage look their shirts are very comfortable they're very soft and you also can get pants hats hoodies a lot of different things at the home field apparel go check them out um and if you're a first time buyer campus to canton is your promo code to get 15% off your purchase. And then, of course, also go to campustocanton.com, which is our parent website, um, for anything you need for fantasy football from college side. Recruiting, obviously, is what we do here on this show. But there's Debbie content for those who are playing in Debbie leagues. There's college fantasy football-specific content. And then there's content that just runs the all the way from you know, freshman season and college all the way through to the NFL. So go check that out. Monthly memberships starting as low as $2.99 per month, depending on what package of tools and data and other resources you would like. Whew. All right. Without further ado, let's get into it. The first question, gentlemen, that I'm going to propose to you is a pretty straightforward player-based question. And this is Wisconsin running back room. They've got three guys coming in in 2024, Dylan Jones, Darian Dupree, and Gideon Ituka. They probably are losing Braylon Allen. Uh, Ches Malusi uh, might come back, but there's, there, there could be some openings there in the Wisconsin room. Who do you guys like most out of this group? And, of course, you can abstain and say, I don't like this group at all. It's definitely a different-looking running back group, would you say, from what we're accustomed to at Wisconsin. So, Matt, you can go first. What do you think of Jones, Dupree versus Atuka in terms of are you drafting any of them in freshman drafts? Do you have any hope for them at Wisconsin in this new offense they've got? Uh, yeah, I For me, I probably wouldn't be drafting any of them right now. I know there's some differing opinions on Darren Dupree 
I think Dylan Jones is probably the safest option there. I think he's you know the, probably the best like actual runner. He's you know good between the tackles. Uh, he makes you know good cuts at the second level. He's probably not doesn't have the like upside of Dupree. He's probably not as good of a receiver. And then Gideon Atuka, uh, I you know he's probably not gonna have as big of a role. He's like a like a little bowling ball back that's gonna, probably just gonna be like a grinder at the next level. David, any any different thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, ultimately they probably eat into each other. Unfortunately, um, I I mean, this isn't like I kind of like Long, the Longo system. Um, they play fat, pretty fast. They run a lot of plays. Um, I just think that it's not like Javante Williams, Michael Carter. They're not on that level talent wise, but. I do like Dylan Jones. Like, yeah, he's not a he's not like a size speed guy or anything. So, like, as far as like NFL, probably not. But um, he is really good between the tackles. And I kind of have I kind of like these guys that are just dogs. Like, he's like a he's like a wrestler. <laughs> um, I think he's like one ninety. Like, I don't know. I was reading the twenty four seven bio on him. They think he can get to like two ten based on his frame. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it it seems like a little bit of a stretch, but. Um, he plays bigger than his size regardless. And like Dupree is just like, I, I thought he was one of the more natural pass catchers, but like, these are guys, they're not, I don't think they're going to be like every week starters or anything. So it's like, you kind of got to play the matchup type guys, which is, I don't know. I don't know how valuable that will be, but I, as far as talent, I, I think they're pretty good. Okay. That sounds good. I think we can unpack this a little more just because the offense is so different, you know, long ago, what they're bringing to the table, what we're used to at Wisconsin with 230, 40 pound running backs, uh, getting 50 carries a game. You mentioned in our chat, Dave, uh, David, that, that Braylon Allen's eighth in the country in running back targets. Like that's not what we're used to seeing at Wisconsin. Um, Longo is he's not doing very well with those targets. However, they're there. And, you know, we expected that from this Longo offense. I mean, Michael Carter caught a ton of passes. Um, not O'Marion Hampton. Oh, uh, Javante Williams caught passes when he had his big year and they were like one, two punch at UNC. Um, and so I think it's really interesting to think about these backs, the Jones and, um, Jones and Dupree are both like 180, 190. And Dupree, you know, can tops out over 21 miles per hour. Seems like you guys like Jones a little bit better as a runner. Uh, neither one of those guys, at least per max preps, have caught at all. I mean, six catches, I think, for Dupree and like two for Jones. So, uh, you know, can they do it? I don't know, but they haven't shown it. And then you've got, yeah, I agree, Matt, the bowling ball, uh, Etuka, who's like 220 pounds, 5'9, five, 5'10. Five, so, probably a specific role that is not that you know not that's who we would normally expect at wisconsin but i think in the new offense that's not really what they're trying to do i hope he bounces to g5 i think he could be pretty good back there okay all right so keep an eye out for maybe they have some attrition i mean do they really need to add three running backs this class i don't know um so there's your answer the answer is a little bit of we don't know but safe to say we like the two smaller running backs better than the bigger running back, uh, which is normally what you would think of at Wisconsin. Um, I think the pass catching could separate one of them once we see them on the field and we hear things maybe in spring practice. 
because they want to throw the ball to running backs. I mean, they did it at UNC when Longo was there, and they're doing it now, even though Braylon Allen, I think, David, you said he's got, what, 50 yards on 16 receptions, which almost feels impossible. Um, so not doing a lot, but they're throwing it to the running backs, which we like to see for fantasy. So, I mean, I keep an eye out. I mean, it's not that you want to ignore this uh, because if one of them does pop, if one of them is good or separates himself in spring practice, uh, Jones and Dupree are two guys to look for and keep an eye out. But as of right now, I don't think we have a definitive answer there. Um, Okay. So next question was about strength of schedule. This is something we talk about quite a bit here on the show. You know, we use the max prep strength of schedule to kind of, Another piece of the puzzle. We're not completely ruling guys out unless it's really bad. David brought up a nice kind of, uh, not really a stat, but um, he mentioned that certain players, I think it was receivers with like a negative SOS really don't seem to pop at the next level, something like that. Is that, is that right, David? Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, I think it was um, the, the non-year one zeros. All of them right. were had an SOS above zero, I think. Okay, so if you have a negative SUS as a wide receiver, history says, you know, at least from what we can see, you're, you're likely destined for year one zero, which, you know, has its own snowball effect for the rest of your Devin dynasty value. Um, <clears throat> so it's worth noting, but it's a piece of the puzzle. Anyway, to the point of the question was the QBs in this class. What are their things of schedule? Who's doing what against what competition? So we'll just bring it up and talk over the graphic here. Sorry, Matt, I think you're going to get blocked out by this graphic uh so flanked by me and david here but and matt you made the graphic so appreciate that um sorry to block you out um so higher is better and this is the strength of schedule we've got for the top quarterbacks in this class you can see the outliers are cj carr headed to uh notre dame and then ryan puglisi headed to georgia with negative strength of schedule You've got the two high-end, Elijah Brown playing out in California, Michael Van Buren playing, I believe, on the east, north, in the northeast, but somehow it's a great St. Francis Academy. St. Francis Academy, which is kind of a a nationally known program there. And then a lot in the middle, Trevor Jackson, 45-5 in Central Florida, Aaron Noland in Georgia, 38-7, and Dylan Raiola playing for Buford now with a pretty good strength of schedule. And we've talked a little bit about that transition for him you know, hasn't gone, he hasn't, he didn't just come out gangbusters really. I mean, he, he's been a little bit more subdued this season so far playing in that system. So, you know, Matt, what are your takeaways here from this list? Is there anything here that changes your opinion on these guys? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, we've kind of known about these for year over year. They're relatively stable unless a guy is transferring out to a different school. I think Michael Hawkins is probably a good example of that. Uh, some we don't right. have here. I just did 24-7's uh, composite top 20 quarterbacks, and he just missed out on that. But he's somebody who moved down in competition. Uh, I don't think we really had anybody big move up. Uh, yeah, no, pretty pretty right. stable. But, yeah, I mean, if it, it really it's just good to help contextualize their overall stats, you know, especially if you're just looking at, like, the max preps quarterback ranking. And then uh, our rating, and then uh, just looking at the SOS and like, oh, you know, CJ Carr, negative 7.5. You know, he should be having, you know, dominant numbers against this level of competition versus someone like Elijah Brown, who, 
I'm not exactly high on, but at least you can excuse, you know, if he did have poor stats, you could excuse that away a little bit more because, you know, he is playing the best of the best. Yeah, and the question, the exact question was, how much does strength of schedule factor into these huge numbers we see guys putting up the QB position? And I would say for us, you know, we talk about this as a piece of the puzzle. And I would say we're not too worried about it. As you can see, you know, I think this is something that might matter on the extremes, but for the most part, you know, we're not that worried. I think um, we don't have him listed here, but one guy that David brought up is uh, Isaac Wilson out in Utah, just putting up obscene numbers, but that system that, that whatever corner Canyon's doing is just doing that year in and year out. So you know, that's I think the outliers like Corner Canyon is probably an outlier in terms of their system, plug and play, any QB. Um, and then Puglisi here, CJ Carr, maybe you raise an eyebrow. But for the most part, and uh, I'm not that worried. And if a guy's playing really good competition, I'm not going to bump him up. Oh, he did it against good high school competition. Like, I'm probably not going to do much for Van Buren there just because he's got a tough SOS. David, any any thoughts on that or kind of that? That's how you look at it too. Yeah, I look at that similarly. I think um, if you if you have a really bad SOS and you're not dominating, it's kind of a red flag for me. But um, I think like especially with Demond Williams, there you see his you saw his SOS was 30. I think what he's doing statistically this year it definitely jumps out to me because like 30 30 is above average. It's 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 solid. Um, he has 13 incompletions and 17 passing touchdowns right now. He's completing 85% of his passes. He doesn't have any stud receivers that I, that I looked at that I, that are expected to play FBS football. I don't think so. Like, um, and you know, conversely, you got like, um, Jaden Davis, you know, doesn't play good competition. Um, he's in North Carolina, right? Cause I, I had a theory that I believe stats- so. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I had a theory that all the stats in North Carolina were just like fake. I don't know. They they all seem really bloated for some reason. And like, I agree. Uh, he's he's throwing to three, I think three P five players too. So it's just like his numbers are obviously they jump out. Um, yards per attempt looks super high. I think he has seventeen touchdowns, zero interceptions, seventy six mm. completion percentage. So it's just like, I think just the SOS just helps bring context. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of look at who they're throwing to, but really just like hone in on what they're actually doing. I mean, when we watch film, you just want to like, does this translate type thing? So, yeah, no, couldn't, couldn't agree more there. All right. <clears throat> so do we have a few other questions here? Um, and this is less about specific players and a little bit more about philosophy uh, on recruiting, on evaluating these players. We'll start with what does a bad size and speed player have to do to overcome that bad, you know, those bad athletic measurements. And we're usually talking, you know, so, like weight and, and MPH for us. I mean, that, those are the two things we really look at kind of the building blocks of a prospect profile, like the first foundation, um, at least for running backs, especially. Um, and so what would a guy have to overcome to be uh, considered? I think this is a timely question because of what Kyron Williams is doing right now in the NFL for the Rams. He played at Notre Dame. He was good, kind of a pass catching back. We knew he was small. Then he tested poorly at the combine. So he's small, but at least he's slow. And 
you know, then sat for a year. Um, and then the Rams were like, hey, we really like this guy. Got rid of Cam Akers. And he's basically their bell cow. Um, remains to be seen if he'll be a bell cow for years to come. But he's catching passes. He's getting all the carries. And he has overcome the bad size speed combo. So, you know, I'll throw it to Matt first. Like, is there something that you would see or some context there that you'd say, ah, oh, I'll give this guy more of a chance um, when they don't meet some of those thresholds that we that we like to see for the elites? Uh, yeah, well, it comes to like, you know, NFL upsides from high school prospect. You know, I'm probably not going to be the one to bet on an outlier like that. Uh, you know, even when these non-athletes do hit at running back, at least, you know, I'm talking specifically running back here. It's wide receiver, you know, would have a pretty different, uh, you know, criteria. Uh, but, you know, for, for running back, you know, I, at pretty much every franchise workhorse back you see is like, you know, a 70th plus percentile athlete, at least. There really aren't many that are below that, especially someone like Kyron, which, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I imagine it's pretty bad, like, you know, sub 50. I think it was bad. I think it was like, I mean, I think he ran like a four, five or four, six, four, seven, 40 at like 200 pounds and small and just. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he, he was a great productive college player as well. So I, it's just showing that they do have the actual positional skills and, uh, you know, good receiving, receiving ability as well. So. Uh, you know, it, it can be overcome, but it's just not the type of player that I'm going to bet on unless there's just such a juicy CFF target, you know. Yeah, I pulled up his combine here, 5'9", 194. So he was short and under 200 pounds, which we like to, our, you know, incoming freshmen to be over that weight. And then um, 4.6540, 10 yard split, vertical jump was 32, broad jump was sub 10, nine, nine feet eight inches. I mean, he didn't show anything and he was small and unathletic. So I mean, yeah, but I think you're talking about a diamond in the rough, and and he may not even last more than a year or two. So I agree. There's really no point in hoping for this. Uh he's got opportunity though. And so if you know a guy's going to have opportunity, which segues into kind of what I was thinking, if the scheme and depth chart lines up perfectly, even if you just don't think a guy is that great, and it's a little harder with freshmen because you've got the transfer portal and a lot can change. But if you're looking at a guy and you're just like, man, the scheme is great. And maybe he does one thing well for the scheme. Like he catches passes and you know, they're going to throw to that running back. Um, and the depth chart looks super weak. You can, bet on a guy because you're like, I think there's going to be opportunity there. Um, but, you know, no schemes are really ideal for unathletic guys. So it, it's still just kind of like, it would be a rare case that I would chase that. And, you know, even so what's the real reward. I'm not sure I'm into doing that to maybe get the one in a million guy who makes it all the way to the NFL. Um, David, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think from an NFL standpoint, it's it's really tough. From a college side, like there there's there's cases. I mean, like Muhammad Ibrahim comes to my mind. Like he, yep. he, he I mean, he ended up being like what five seven five eight. He was barely over two hundred, and like he was way small. I mean, I I never yeah. watched him play, but I could have sworn he was like a big bruiser, and then he was tiny. Yeah, yeah, he's like a small bruiser. Like yeah. he wasn't. I don't know. He just had a low center of gravity and was just had like exceptional contact balance that made up for 
his inadequacies inadequacies as a as an athlete. So like, yeah, and the system obviously Minnesota they're obsessed with running the ball. So it's like you just have to have that nice fit. It's it's slippery, but it can work. I think more so on college side. I like that. Um, one thing I was thinking, if you could incorporate some kind of like, you know, alternate types of metrics, we've looked at VOE for quarterbacks. We've looked at release time. We can't measure release time, but I know breakaway data does. And sometimes those guys kind of pop with interesting things. You're not going to be able to measure on the field. Obviously we're transitioning into a different position group, but you know, for, for, you know, for running backs or receivers, like if you could measure like acceleration point A to point B, I know that's another thing breakaway data does like how far, how like deceleration from, you know, to, to get to a point and, and make a turn, a cut, whatever. Uh, but that takes some high level measurement measuring. Um, I don't think we're at the point where we can like really have a baseline for that and what's good and what's bad and that kind of stuff. But that would be something that you could consider other than, you know, your, your top speed MPH and, you know, size, but I think for running backs, man, I still think for running backs, it's just size speed, you know, for the most part, those are your building blocks. And after that, you can kind of chip away uh, at your prospect profile receiver. I agree with Matt. He mentioned it earlier. It is kind of a different, different position. I'm looking at different things. Um, <clears throat> okay. What traits I'm going to throw this to David first. So he gets a, a chance to answer one of these questions first. What traits are impossible to improve upon? Obviously there's a caveat there, impossible, never say never, but for the most part, what traits are you looking at? You're like, this is who he is already at 18 years old um, versus maybe throw out, if you have an idea off the top of your head of ones that you think can be improved upon in college and at the next level. Yeah. The first one that came to my mind was just physicality in general. Um, and it's something I hadn't really realized until like the more and more I like studied players and stuff. Like I just, I don't think someone all of a sudden becomes like a dog. I think it's like a, a mentality, a personality type. Um, so like if a guy just doesn't show physicality on, on tape as a high schooler, I mean, that's kind of who he is. And I, I just think you probably got to move on and, and just not just, I don't know how you can assume it's going to get better for him in that regard. Um, and Football is very physical, so it's like we need. We, it's a pretty big trait to, uh, that's necessary. Um, as far as like some other one, I don't know. You guys, I won't tell. I'll just, that's like the main one I want to talk about. You guys can touch on the other ones. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I know you mentioned that in the chat, Matt. Anything that you're like, this ain't changing. He is what he is at this point. Uh, I mean, I'm a bit more optimistic. I'd say. I mean, you, you're not gonna be able to change your length, really. You're not going to get any taller or longer. Uh, you know, guys change their bodies pretty rapidly, you know, in sense of weight, though. Uh, but, no, I mean, I guess mentality, just the way you're wired, uh, you know, that's just kind of something you're stuck with. You are who you are. Uh, outside of that, I think everything else is pretty, you know, it, it's up to the grabs, you know. It, it, it's variable. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, size and speed, we have run the numbers a few different times. I think at campus to Canton, looking at like, you know, your senior high school weight and your, your NFL draft combine weight, we can expect some increases, but for the most part, like you can't dream up a guy who's 180 and say, well, I think he can get to 215. I mean, that just doesn't really happen. I mean, very rarely, you know, sometimes guys grow two inches and put on crazy amounts of weight. 
But for the most part, you're talking 10 pounds, you know, 10, 12 pounds of good, good weight. Um, so I would say that like, that's why we do harp a little bit on that weight and, and size, uh, even as seniors, cause it will change a little bit, but it won't change very much. Um, with, you know, there's always outliers, but for the most part, that's not changing. One thing I put, and I, you know, this probably could be improved upon. I haven't really done any studies around it or anything like that, but kind of the body control idea, you know, we've talked a little bit about watching tape and seeing guys who are kind of like, um, you know, just kind of their arms are always like waving around. They don't seem to make sharp cuts. They, they make moves, but it's very chaotic when we watch them. Um, and I think that generally doesn't seem to change. Um, and so I don't know if it's a style or if it's just body control, just being able to like really be, you know, uh, efficient and quick and quick and sharp with your movements rather than, you know, having to wave your arm around when you're trying to cut or whatever. Um, but that's just a thought I had. I mean, I don't have any scientific real things. I think the size is big. And I do think mentality is a good one too. If you see a guy on tape that just seems to give up on plays or, you know, whatever, I think that's a good point. Okay. How about, <clears throat> and this is similar uh, maybe in concept. Does peaking in high school really happen? Um, are we worried about certain guys who, you know, matured early and maybe have peaked as juniors in high school or seniors in high school? Um, and you're like, oh, they're, they're probably not going to get any better. I'm fading them because of that. I mean, is that happening to you guys at all? Matt, you can go first. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say ever say they've peaked, but certain guys obviously – don't have as much uh, growth potential as others, I would say. You know, everyone's going to become a better athlete in college. Everyone's going to get more refined. Everyone's going to become a smarter player for the most part. Uh, so, you know, I think pretty much everybody is going to get better in pretty much every aspect in college. They're just not going to be able to show it like they did in high school. And, you know, statistically speaking, you know, their, their numbers, they will peak in high school for the most part as well. Yeah. But yeah. in terms of being a talent, you know, as a football player, I think, you know, Guys are always getting better, whether we see it or not. Okay. Uh, David, any thoughts? Yeah, I think everyone does get better to some degree. I've, it's surprising if you don't get bigger, stronger, faster in, in a college weight room and stuff like that. I think the thing is, is you you need to get better. Rel you need to get more better relative to your peers, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So like, um, some guys might be more like I always talk about like a sort of a developmental scale and some guys are kind of closer to their finished product as other guys. And some guys are catching up and it's like, okay, so how do they, does one guy pass another guy? So you always have internal competition at say like running back depth chart stuff like that. Um, so it's just like, how good are they now uh, entering college and how, how much better do you think they can get? And, and what are the reasons why? And kind of just study that stuff. And uh I don't know. And then just try to, there's a lot of guesswork involved too. So it's, it's kind of hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think you're right about relative to your peers. If everyone's getting better, who's going to get more better. That's a good, good way to say it. I mean, uh, and leapfrog, essentially, you're talking about someone who's going to leapfrog somebody by, by kind of shooting up better. And I think one thing you've talked about, David, and I, I, I really like the idea 
um, of guys who, you know, maybe have played the same position and specialized since eighth grade, since sixth grade, since peewee football um, versus guys who we hear about like, oh, they they were playing, you know, basketball or baseball or something else. And they told him, Hey, you, you should go play football at like, as like a sophomore or junior in high school. And then we're seeing them now as prospects. It makes sense that those guys, not even physically, but just understanding the game nuance, um, you know, technique, things like that. They may not be maxed out. They may have a lot more room to grow. I think physically, I'm not worried if a guy's huge as a sophomore. I mean, that's great. Usually those guys go on to be good. I mean, we are not worried about that. They, if you're huge in high school, that that's usually a good thing for this type of thing. Cause you're talking about a longer aging curve. You're not like, Oh, they're going to be out of the NFL by 35. I don't care. I mean, you're still gonna have a great NFL career. So if that, you know, I don't think I'm worried about that, but um, in terms of size, uh, but I do think it's interesting to consider guys who maybe started later playing the game. They may have more room to grow. Um, <clears throat> I have to, this is like totally weird, but I have to, like, I've wondered when you see a guy's profile picture and he kind of just like looks young, I, but they're, they're already big. They're already producing. They're already a good football player. I do wonder is like, are they going to like mature more, you know, get even bigger, bigger than guys who already look like they're 35. So I don't know that, that no scientific data there, but sometimes when guys look kind of young, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if they're like still, you know, maturing, um, and, you know, have a capacity to get even bigger muscularly and put on more weight and all that kind of stuff. But no, nothing to back that up. Um, <clears throat> all right. And then let's just do a quick roundtable. Uh, we can start with you, Matt. Archetypes to avoid. Uh, anything come to mind for you? Um, just take it away. I mean, whatever position, anything that you're like, I pretty much am always going to fade this type of player. Uh, yeah. For wide receivers particularly, I've always not liked guys that uh, just can't do anything after the catch. That kind of irks me a bit. Uh, I think really the direction I've been going with wide receivers, though, is that even at the high school level, if you don't show some level of being decently refined, it's just, you just probably never are going to be. That's just, I think David and I have been looking at it a lot, and that's just something we have uh, see over and over again. These guys, you know, if you're super raw coming into college, it's not very often these guys come out of college suddenly being this, you know, route running freak that's just gonna, you know, create crazy separation. It's just, you know, guys are you know, are going to stay in their archetypes pretty much through through high school and college. That's just how it is. It's very rare that somebody will just suddenly become a new player. I think that's pretty actionable for a lot of uh, us who play this game. I know for so long uh, I chased the next Calvin Johnson. Uh, for so long we were obsessed with uh, what is it, height adjusted speed score or whatever. I mean, whatever. I, I remember the um, Rotoviz when they basically said, you know, BMI, you know, all this stuff about receivers basically needing to be big. And so we're just chasing this. Um, and a lot of times those guys are rather winning in high school by just being physically dominant. But, you know, that's interesting that that. But there's been so many busts. There's been I mean, so it's many. It's even looking never... like you know a few. Uh, I was very on Cordell Russell last class. Yeah. It's pretty Hondurian Dicky, Hakeem Williams. All yeah. of them are looking looking like duds right now. I mean that is true. Dicky was a surprise one because I like Dicky. The other two I was a little lower on, but I came around on Russell. 
Uh, I never liked Hakeem Williams that much, but yeah, they're all heading towards year one zero at this point, which is not good. David, um, archetype to avoid. And let's just, yeah. we can leave I out like small, I, I, I stole slow the, running backs. Stole the easy one obvious. here. <laughs> no, that was definitely, that's definitely something I've noticed for sure. Like I'm starting to like some of these small route runners way more than I would have in the past. But um, as far as like um, quarterbacks, I guess like not mobile and also has a noodle. Uh, um, you know, like if you're a pocket passer <laughs> and like, combo. yeah, if you're a pocket passer, like, you know, like you don't have to be like a good runner or anything like, but if you're like kind of light on your feet and you can move around and slide around and throw off platforms, stuff like that. But, and you still, and you have a good arm, like, fine, I'm good with that. But like, if you're not athletic and you, and you have a noodle. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work. That's not great. That's not a great combo. Well, you picked the one I was probably going to go with like big old pocket passer. I honestly don't care that much, even if you have a strong arm. I just I'm kind of out on just like guys who can't dual threat. Um, and mostly it's because like I can't tell if they're an elite processor. I think you have to be an elite processor if you're a pocket passer to be great at fantasy scoring. You have to put up insane numbers if you can't do anything on the ground. And I don't I can't tell if you're a great processor from what I'm looking at on this side in high school. I, I don't trust myself for that. So that's one thing. But I think that's a that is a an area for growth, we should say, as an evaluator for me. Um, I would also say tight ends that aren't dogs. We know this. I've talked about it. Tight ends that aren't dogs. You don't have to play hand in the dirt, blocking every down. But if I don't see you do anything, like put a guy into the dirt, block, be versatile, and you're only lining up outside, I'm a little bit nervous if you're not playing a little bit like a dog at your at tight end. Um, so that's a little bit for me. And then the last question I think is how to be a better film watcher. I think this is something we've all learned a lot about over the last three years. Um, and so what have you guys learned? Well, I mean, this question does come up from time to time with um, mailbags. And I think it, there's always probably something new to kind of mention. Uh, David, we'll go to you first and then Matt, and I'll, I'll follow up at the end. What What can you do to be a better film watcher? I mean, like most things, like you get better just by doing it, uh, you know, like just watch a lot of film. I think you can learn quite a bit on your own. Um, you just start to pick up on patterns, pick up on little things like, oh, OK. And just you, a lot of times you're creating a, a narrative to why a certain guy didn't. You never, you never really know exactly why someone didn't pan out or whatever. But like, I feel like you have a decent idea. But then there's just like so many free resources. Um, a big one for me for receivers, because. I got like I've come a long way. I feel like with receivers, I had I had a lot of bad receiver takes over the last couple of years. And um, first down training, it was a good. Actually, I think Matt, you told me about that one. Um, they have just a lot of instructional videos and stuff like that. So I kind of know um, what to look for. Um, kind of get inside the brain of a receiver, what they should and shouldn't be doing. Um, so stuff like that. But yeah, I think the best thing is just just to watch as much as you can. Tall order yeah. for everyone out there. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, down to that, I would say don't trust the highlights as well. Uh, as I've gotten more and more into watching the full games of these guys, uh, it's just, you know, it, you can see a very different version of the player through the highlights versus 
uh, you know, a full game tape, which everyone knows this at this point. But you know, with high school, there's just, I guess, this level of acceptance where it's like it's okay, you know, just to watch their highlights. That's all we have. It's yeah. hard to find. Well, it's not, but for the most case, well, unless you pay, for, unless you say. pay for the services or go and find the tape yourself, uh, then yeah, that's all you have. But yeah, I, I mean, there's, it's just such a big difference, and uh, you know, I think that's really what sets apart what we're kind of doing here now. With, uh, Out of know, curiosity, um, is there a position that you think the full game tape really eliminates oh, wide, wide more? Receiver, or, wide receiver and quarterback, for sure. I think those are okay. two of the more difficult positions to evaluate in general because uh, it just relies on their level of refinement so much more. Uh, you know what they're doing, how they're winning, what their competition is. I think all those aspects matter a lot more for quarterback and wide receiver versus you know running back and tight end. Where uh, you you can still out athlete people when you're in college and at in the NFL at those positions. Yeah, and I, I will say, I mean, I think we've done a really nice job. I was talking to Austin about it the other day. I mean, I think we've done a really nice job of identifying running backs over the course of our time here, especially even relative to the services. Like we've really done nice finding gems, lower rated three star guys that really become legitimate impact players. Even doing this for a short time, only about two or three years, um, I think we're still working on receiver and still working on quarterback like everyone else. But I feel like we've done a nice job on, on running back. So the one thing I would say for me, um, kind of piggybacking off what David said, like watch a lot of film, but also watch, you know, you're probably watching NFL anyway or college. What do those guys look like? You know, and for me, uh, the body control aspect and like just seeing the guys at the highest level for the most part are so crisp with their movements, whether it's a running back, a receiver, even a quarterback, like these guys are not flailing around. They're decisive. And maybe it's not even body control. I call it body control, but maybe it's just decisiveness. Like they know what they want to do. They have a plan. They see the field, you know, this is all kind of like instinct. Um, Call it what you want. But when you watch guys at the other levels and then you watch high school players, it's very clear sometimes like, oh, this guy looks like a high school player. And then sometimes it's like, this guy looks like the guys I'm already watching on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, just the way he moves. And, and it is hard to quantify that. But the more you watch, the more you get comfortable with what you're looking at, the difference between high school, college and NFL. I just think you kind of get a sense of this looks like a player that's going to carry over all of the stats they're putting up the metrics they're putting in the weight room and on the field, they look like a guy who we watch on these other, you know, days. Um, so yeah, David, you got a, yeah, just like more notes as far that I didn't think of. Yeah. So like I, for better or worse, I do love to make comps. I'll kind of come up with like a range of comps, like of guys they remind me of. And I'll actually just go back. Like I'm always going back and watching older players, how they looked in high school. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. like, I remember like, of course, you know, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I'm, like, hoping that we get our next star. I remember looking at, like, Tobias Merriweather. I'm like, dang, this guy's, like, built like T. Higgins. Like, he's pretty fast. He moves pretty well. Like, he's he looks decent on breaking routes. And I'm just like, all right. He has, like, I went back and I watched T. Higgins. I'm like, no, it's not even close. Like, he's way mm. better. It's not even – and Tobias is, like, way softer and not physical. Mm. He's got vines for arms. Doesn't use his length at all, like – not catching away from his body and stuff. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm always going back. I'm always looking at him. And that's why I'm just like, ugh, this guy's kind of like <laughs> mediocre a little bit. 
<laughs> I think like if you are, if you, if most people just have time to watch highlights and obviously there's nothing wrong with that. Like we're, we all do it. Um, I think, yeah, they all look good obviously, but I think you have to like continually remind yourself of what you're not seeing. Mm -hmm. That's like something where I trapped myself. I'm like, okay, like this guy's a boss. Like, look at all these plays, like look at all the stuff he can do. And I was never really like questioning, like, all the stuff I didn't see, mm -hmm. so, like, I think like, it's pretty important too. Cause like, those are his, those are their best plays. They're all right there for you. And it's like, you know, so that's kind of, which like I think it helps us, you know, we have a grading template, so it does force us to go through all the different categories. And then you can realize like, man, I did not see any yards after catch that happened to me with uh nye Carr. Like I really liked him. I watched the film. You kind of get into it. You're like, this guy's good. And you go through your grading template and you're like, oh man, I really didn't, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, there was like no yak. I mean, he, he's kind of, he's kind of, uh, you know, clumsy with the ball in his hand, kind of falls down, gets taken down. He's not making moves. He's not creative. I know Matt said he really likes yak. We all do. Um, and so it caused me to be a little bit cautious of Nykar. Um, Not that he's a bad player, but if you get wrapped up in the highlights, I think, like you said, I mean, you can kind of forget what am I not seeing? So, you know, for everyone out there who's asking the question, who's interested in being a better film washer, you know, great. Uh, have a little template for yourself. Make sure you're checking off that. Did I look for X, Y, and Z? Um, and don't just get caught up in the highlights and be like, well, he's really good at this one thing. And I like him a lot. So I think that's a good uh, lesson, David. For I think I can throw Anything? one more here too. Yeah. Especially, I mean, we're going off on wide receivers, but another point with wide receivers going and finding their tape uh, camp tapes in the off season. 1v1s and 7v7s, I think, can tell you a lot, a lot about that player, uh, particularly about how refined they are, how good at separating they are, how they you know plan on winning at the next level. Yeah, and usually the camera angle is really good on those two, so you can mm -hmm. see the player up close rather than you know grainy from the top of the bleachers. So, good, good point there. All right, guys, thanks. That was great. I, I like the mailbag. We kind of threw it together last uh, last few days, but I think it ended up being some really nice talking points. Hopefully our listeners took home some good nuggets, and we'll do it again next week. This has been the official.